This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 49, Inspiring Students and Healing Through Yoga. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Heidi Christopher. Heidi is the creator and producer of Crossflow X, Microsoft Bing Fitness Yoga, and MSN Yoga, and wellness expert for and contributor to multiple online platforms. She was rated one of the hottest trainer in America by Shape Magazine, the most inspiring yoga teacher in the world by Do You Yoga, and the most popular instructor in New York City by Rate Your Burn and by Class Pass. Heidi can often be seen and featured as an expert on television and in magazines worldwide, and her goal is to make yoga, health, strength, and whole happy living accessible to everyone. As always, I really appreciate your support with this podcast. So if you can, know that you can make a big difference even with a small donation to help me cover production costs and allow me to create more episodes. If you'd like to support me in this, please visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat and become a VIP member. As a thank you, you'll get access to new exclusive content every month and you can go back and watch all the other episodes you've missed. Uh, this month, for the month of March, you got a full-length class, so it's over an hour long class to enhance your capacity to balance. So we're working on the foot, on the hip, and on the core. It's based in Yoga Tuna. I know a lot of you are students of this style with me. So if you're interested to learn how to roll your feet, your hip, your core, and how to strengthen for you to find better balance, then this is a great, great class for you. So that's what's waiting for you there on top of all the other things for the past months. Okay, ready for episode of today? Let's get to it with Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to join me on this podcast to talk about yoga and health in general and fitness and all the good things. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. So Heidi, for listeners that don't know you very well, I'm on the West Coast. I know you're on the East Coast. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your yoga journey? Ah, uh, sure. That's such a broad question. I know. <laughs> Let's just see where you go with it yeah. and we'll go from there. Totally. Um, yeah. So I'm Heidi Christopher and I am a mom to three children. I had three babies in two years. Mm. So twins and then another. <laughs> Everybody gets that puzzled look on their face when I say that. And they're like, they try to do the math and I'm like, nope, it's not possible. Singles and pregnancies, just not. Um, unless one was super early or something. But anyway, um, yeah. So three kiddos in two years, I found yoga totally by accident. Mm. Um, when we moved and there was no gym close by and I Googled gyms in the zip code and a yoga studio came up and I, you know, did a huge eye roll and like, a Ugh. everybody's always telling me to try this stupid yoga thing. Like maybe this is a sign. <laughs> so, and, and literally was like, this sounds so lame. And, <laughs> and I fell head over heels in love halfway through the first class or probably earlier than halfway, but mm -hmm. basically, you know, left the studio and was like, how do I get more of this in my life? It's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like a slow, it was like a, I'm obsessed immediately. <laughs> it just made me feel so happy and so good. And I'd never experienced it before, quite frankly. Mm. And um, I, you know, got the new student unlimited special for three months and basically went two to three times a day. And, uh, and you know, I was very happy. And I wasn't happy in the career I was in. I was very comfortable and um, financially stable. 
And uh, so making the leap into yoga was definitely the most irresponsible fiscal decision I've ever made. (laughs) But um, it was certainly the best overall. And um, to add to that piece of it, I was in a very bad car accident when I was 18. And um, I have scans of my spine then. It straightened my cervical spine. It had all sorts of herniations. And what they didn't discover at the time, even though I complained a lot about lower back pain, they were so concerned with my cervical spine that they didn't even image the rest of it. Mm. And um, the night before I started my first 200-hour yoga teacher training, I was walking up Broadway in Manhattan, in Times Square, and um, I almost face-planted because I had the most painful I can't even describe what it felt like, but it was so out of nowhere and so jolting and just my whole body collapsed basically from this Mm. feeling. And what had happened was I had broken two vertebrae in my lumbar spine in that car accident. And because they hadn't addressed it, fixed, you know, like done anything about it, the scar tissue had finally hit my sciatic nerve. And so I was just having like rip-roaring sciatic contractions over and over and over again and um, went to see a bunch of surgeons and they all recommended back surgery. And for some reason, I was like, no, no, I don't think this is for me. I think I can do this on my own. I've been living with it for this many years. Like, I think I can fix it now that I know what's going on. And so I worked uh, with the blessing of a spinal surgeon and a PT. And I created a yoga program that strengthened all of the tiny muscles that surround your spinal cord and protect it. And as a result, not only did I not have to have any back surgery, I actually healed, um, through yoga all. And I have the scans (laughs) showing it. I got the full curvature back in the cervical spine. I got rid of the herniations and I no longer have sciatic pain. So that's amazing. Congrats. That's really inspiring. Yoga's just been really important to me on a lot of levels. I I always say that it saved my life on every level, like Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually, it just saved me. So So how is it different for you? Because you do practice fitness, you know, outside of yoga as well. How are the two, you know, complementary or totally different in your experience? So I don't do anything that doesn't make me feel awesome. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I think I actually have a very yogic approach to fitness because the only reason that I do something that's not yoga is like, if it's for a friend, (laughs) I mean, yoga is my preferred modality. Like it's just my preferred method of movement and everything else. It just makes me feel my best. And I understand that we're all individuals, so Mm -hmm. it's not everybody's, but it's mine. Um, and I, so if I'm doing another form of fitness, it's because it gives me something that I need in terms of like, I, for example, do something called soul cycle, which I understand isn't all over the world, but it's spreading. So, (laughs) um, it's in a lot of places. It's a, you know, it's soul cycle started and as things grow, they evolve, but soul cycle started. And the reason it's called soul cycle is because it is meant to hear your heal your soul. Mm -hmm. And I actually only go to one teacher (laughs) because she speaks to me. And I, I I feel like when I leave her class, I feel cleansed (laughs) and just fresh slate. And it's very much, I mean, I'm not 
you know, as open as I feel after not a yoga practice in my body for sure, mm-hmm. but my mind and my heart feel open. Mm. So that's why I would do soul cycle. Um, but that's pretty much the only, oh, and I, you know, when I'm in a warm area, I, I do, I do yoga and surf retreats. Like I lead them and I added the surfing element because I feel like surfing and yoga are so complementary to each other. The muscles that you just by accident, you know, like it's not by accident, but like that you don't even know that you're building in mm-hmm. yoga are the ones you need for surfing. And when you're surfing and you're waiting for waves, I personally can't think of a more meditative state than just being alone in the water with the sound of the waves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that surfing is very complimentary to yoga. I live in the Northeast, so it's not something I get to do often, but when I get the chance, I do. And over the summer, if there's a pool, I swim laps because that rhythmic breathing is also very meditative to me. Totally. Um, so yeah, if I'm doing any other form of movement, it's because it also gives me the same sort of peace of mind that yoga does. Okay. And why did you decide to transition and make that a career? You could have just continued and be a student, but you made that choice. So how did that happen? Um, It's funny, actually. (laughs) So I'm like, I think it's funny. I was an actress. I was on a soap opera for 10 years. I did a lot of film. I did a lot of TV. I did a lot of theater. I was so lucky. I was so happily employed. I was so lucky. I worked my butt off, but you know, I think there's a lot of people in that industry. I think most people that believe themselves to be in that industry are not actually working. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't discount that because that was amazing. Um, however, I felt like in acting that you're never enough. I feel like that is the repeated messaging. You are not thin enough. You are not fat enough. You are not tall enough. You are not short enough. You are not blonde enough. You are not brunette enough. Like I would go, if I had an audition day, you know, they would stack a lot of auditions in one day and you'd go from one to one. And then you'd have to, and over the course of that day, not only would I have to change outfits, I would have to have wigs, colored contacts. I mean, it's insane. Like it's be anything but you. Mm -hmm. Just don't be you. And I'm like, just find the person who's that. Like don't, you know, Mm -hmm. so, or use your imagination because (laughs) it seems a little ridiculous. That's hard on the morale. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I have to say the lower I weighed in acting, the more work I booked. Mm. You can call it a coincidence or you can call it what it is. It's totally your call. Um, but I was a walking skeleton when Mm. I was an actress. And, um, when I was very new in my yoga journey, I sat down so that I was very lucky, I think, in that the studio that I went to first, um, did have Dharma talks. And I mean, back then, I feel like most yoga places did, but I think now Mm -hmm. it's something that people have like really taken out of yoga classes, at least in New York City. I can't speak for anywhere else, but I can speak for New York City to say that it's actually quite challenging these days to find a yoga class with any sort of dharma in it at all or any form of bhakti yoga or any, it's, it's, it's almost like you have to choose. It's like, well, you can go and listen to somebody talk. Or you can go and do your physical yoga practice, but you can't have both anymore, Mm -hmm. which is very sad to me Mm -hmm. um, because it's the yoga that I fell in love with. I understand that there's something for everyone. Um, But so I sat down and they were, the teacher was doing a Dharma talk and the whole Dharma talk was in yoga, we learn that we are enough. 
mm-hmm. exactly the way that we are. No effort required. The universe created us to be perfect. And we just have to remember that. And that juxtaposed with like my whole crazy career world. Hmm. It was just, a clash. It, it was like, yeah, it was like mind blown. Like that emoji, like, <laughs> like what? Like, wait, what? <laughs> I really like, it was such a mind blowing thought. And it like, it, it entered, you know, like it like sunk in. Mm. And the more it sort of swirled around, the more I was like, wow, I want this to be my life not the career path that says we're not enough. I want to spread the message Mm. that you're enough. I, you know, and that's, that was really my driving force. And, but I still was like, oh, but I don't know how I would do this financially because I have this like amazing income and I would just be not having an amazing income. I mean, at that time. (laughs) For a while at least. (laughs) Oh my gosh. At that time. Time in New York City when I started teaching yoga, you honestly could go to a studio and earn five or ten dollars to teach a class. Oof. Like it's it was I don't I mean and it's it's not that much better now. Like I'm sure those studios still exist. I wouldn't go to them, but like because I think it's crap, you know, because mm-hmm. they're earning money and they're just not paying their teachers, and I think that's horrific. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like you really didn't earn money teaching yoga when I started, and um, then. Two of my friends at the time, um, one of whom was my husband's fraternity brother in college, um, we, we bumped into them at my mentor's class at the place I was doing my teacher training. And they were, he actually runs a website called Mind Body Green. And, um, Which is very known now. <laughs> now, back then, no one had heard of it. <laughs> and um, he was at the studio to he was actually interviewing my mentor for Mind Body Green because back then he wrote articles for the site because that's how small it was. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so he, uh, he, he, we all went to brunch after class and we chatted a lot. He asked me to start writing for them. And after like getting to know each other and like hanging out a lot, he was like, you have to take Tara Styles' class. Mm. And I was like, who? Like I, I never heard of her. Mm-hmm. And cause I was in the world of bhakti yoga. I was not, you know, and also like it was, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he and his wife, Colleen, who co-runs Mind Body Green now, um, they were like, no, you're going to love her. She's amazing. They came and took my class. That's when they were like, no, you really have to come meet Tara. Like you're going to love her. It's going to be amazing. And I was just kind of like, I, I Googled her. And the first thing came up was her New York Times article that said yoga rebel. And coming from this place of like bhakti yoga saved my life. I was like, this is the last person in the world I want to meet. Like she's ruining yoga. I really like, that's what I thought at the time. You know, anyone who knows my trajectory already knows that this is going to turn around real quick. But um, it, it took them like a long time of like hounding me to get to her class. Oh, and also her class was called relax, which like for me who like was obsessed with inversions and arm balances, because for me, the first time I held an arm balance, the feeling of capability and strength that it flooded me with was, it was the greatest gift I've ever gotten other Mm -hmm. than my children. (laughs) It truly was. Um, And so that was another driving force for me was wanting to, when I realized that I could teach was to give that feeling to other people. Mm -hmm. 
women especially, but everyone. Um, I think just women struggle with that feeling of like, I'm not strong. I'm not capable. I can't hold myself up with my own two hands more than men do. That's been my personal experience. Um, so, so it was like the opposite of like anything I thought I wanted, but I finally went one day and I was like, Oh, she's kind of cool. Oh, this is kind of different, but it's kind of cool. Like it's different, but good. (laughs) And, um, she and I started becoming very friendly and like, she like Twitter was the thing back then. And she tweeted like direct message on Twitter was like, Hey, you want to come teach a class for me tomorrow? And I was like, uh, like I wasn't working the next day at that time. So I was like, you mean at your studio? (laughs) She's like, yeah. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I came and I taught the class and she was like, do you want to teach more? (laughs) Amazing. uh, So, so yeah, so I started teaching at Strala only when I wasn't booked on a job, like on a day I wasn't shooting and didn't have auditions. And, um, I was teaching at another studio because the community class, which is the thing that you do at a lot of studios after you've gotten your certification to teach yoga, your ROIT 200 hours. If you're going by Yoga Alliance, um, you'll get a community class. And uh, this, a bunch of my teacher friends had sent me to, uh, had sent studio owners to my community class. And for some reason they came and I got hired from that class to teach on the weekends. Cause I was like, well, I can't teach during the week because mm-hmm. I have a job. Mm-hmm. And I got these Saturday and Sunday, like prime time classes as a brand new teacher, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But like that happened and then Tara happened. And then because I was an actress, I also did a lot of print modeling um, because that's just another way to pay your bills. That's quick and easy. Um, and so I started getting hired as a yoga model. And then, so all these things sort of mm. combined and Tara was like, Hey, do you want to do a video series together? And I was like, uh, okay. And it was with shape magazine and it was me and Tara and her husband, Mike, it was a series that they called yoga anywhere. And we did all these videos all over New York city in the craziest places, just like doing yoga. And it was fun and cute and all the things. And right after that shape was like, shape asked me to lunch the editors at the time and asked me to start their first yoga blog. All of this while I was still a full-time actress. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, were really, one day, you were really being pushed to transition. <laughs> like there was no way out. Well, like. Exactly. <laughs> so, and one day Tara was like, so Heidi, it seems like <laughs> you complain a lot about how much you dislike the acting profession. And cause I, I would just like text her all day when I was in a trailer waiting for 10 hours to shoot like a five second scene. And I'd be like, this is the worst. I'm so bored. I can't like, you know, and she, she was like, it sounds like you really are unhappy with what you're doing. And so Tara, um, is Deepak Chopra's personal yoga instructor. So I think as any good friend would, when she wanted me to really hear her, she would say, Deepak says, and I'd be like, how can you be like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this one. Um, And she said, she was like, you know, I can't remember her exact wording. It was much better than how I'm going to butcher it right now. But the essence of it was, you know, he said to me one time, and it really hit home, that maybe I shouldn't push so hard for what I think I'm supposed to do. Mm. And maybe I should just allow the things that are getting dropped on me 
to happen and move on the path with ease. That's easy. And I was like, well, that's lazy. And she was like, that's what I said too. (laughs) But you know, it's like, then you're like, you, you chat, you chat, and then you go on your merry way. And you're like, it's like sinking in, sinking in, sinking in, sinking in. And then I had a sort of aha moment with my acting career that was basically an opportunity that anyone in my position would have given an appendage for. And I was pissed about it because it was conflicting with a 12 p.m. yoga class that I had agreed to sub the next day that I was going to make $20 for, by the way. You know, and I was so angry. And I was like, oh, yeah, this, mm. this isn't, this, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, I need to reevaluate. I need to, you know, I need to, I need to change some things. And that's when I sat down with all of my agents and managers and said, thank you very much. I'm out. And they basically laughed at me and they were like, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks when you figure out that you were earning no money. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm out. <laughs> and they were like, uh-huh, sure. Bye. See you later. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> and yeah. So that's, and that's how I made that shift was, it was, you know, it was, it was gradual, but it was very, when I finally made it, it was very purposeful. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. very intentional. It was very, you know, like I, I had, I had been, you know, towing the line of like doing it part time for so long. And it was like, no, this is actually where I want to focus all of my energy because it's important to me mm-hmm. and I love it. And the, the, the look on someone's face when they do hold themselves in a crow for the first time and they come out of it and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it. Like, that is everything to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and, you know, they can, they, people cry and they send you letters and emails and messages. And it's, it's not for that reward, but it's, it's for why they're sending the messages. Does that make sense? It's because of the feeling that you get to help them feel. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, it's just so important. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you do it very well. You were rated one of the most inspiring yoga teachers <laughs> in the uh-huh. world by DE Yoga. And I believe that what inspires us as teachers come through and that inspires other people. So what do you think drives you in your teaching? Like what inspires you and how do you inspire the people around you? Whether it's to help them feel like you were saying that they are enough or that they have that that capacity, that strength to like do those new things and like carry themselves. Where does that come from for you? I mean, it comes from all of those things for sure. It, um, I think the drive even got enhanced when I had children, especially when I had my twin daughters, because I think, I think that in our society, you know, as much as we can be feminists and as much as, you know, things are very, very, very slowly changing, um, you know, I think that it's easy as a woman or a girl growing up in our society to feel less than and Mm -hmm. feel not enough and feel not strong and not capable. And I don't want that for my children. And I don't want that for anyone. I want everyone to feel capable. I want everyone to feel like they're enough. I mean, how much better would our world be if everybody knew that they were enough and they weren't forever trying to knock someone else down because that's going to make them feel better or, you know, whatever it is, the action that comes from not feeling enough, our world would be such a better place. Mm -hmm. So I do have a very strong drive to share that. 
Um, which is quite frankly why I tend to be a little more passionate about the physical classes, like the more challenging physical classes, because, you know, if you can feel and understand with every cell of your being that if you work towards something consistently, not forcing yourself, not like, you know, a square peg in a circle hole kind of thing, not hurting yourself, not any of those things, but just showing up. Show, exactly. If you just learn that by showing up, you will accomplish the thing that you are practicing. You know, it's like yoga is practice for life. How you are on your mat is how you are off your mat 100% of the time. You can't pretend. It's just who you are. So when you learn to move through these crazy challenging postures or flows with ease, with deep breaths and while remaining grounded, you, you will do that in life too. Mm-hmm. So it just, it enhances life so much and it's practice for life. It's like, okay, I want to feel grounded in my life. Guess what? I'm going to practice feeling grounded in my yoga practice and that's what's going to get me there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a drive for me. I think that, yeah, I mean, all of those things are drives for me. And just, I mean, it's, I think it's so important to spread good and spread positivity mm-hmm. in a world that is, you know, full of not that. Do you I think, think that should be like the goal of a teacher that wants to be more inspiring? Like how, what does it take nowadays to be an inspiring teacher? <laughs> it's well, basically what I'm asking. You know what? Honestly, this is my personal opinion. Of this course. is not fact. It's like a Heidi fact, not a, not a <laughs> real fact. I, I think you have to be original and you have to be yourself. Mm. I, I think that's what it takes because especially with the way social media is, there are so many copycats. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like I just met a teacher. I mean, I met a photographer at a lunch a couple days ago and she messaged me on social after and she was like, oh, I knew I knew who you were. And, you know, it's so nice meeting you. She's like, actually so funny. Like this girl that I work with, who's one of my clients just sent me all of your pictures because that's what she wants to do in her next shoot. And it's like, yeah, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, cool. Like, cool to be inspired. But like, why don't you take inspiration from this person and this person? Not just like, I'm going to be just like her and all the things. I mean, I had to get a trademark on the class that I created called Crossroll X because somebody cut and pasted my class description, put their class on ClassPass with my class name and my class description at an address one number over on the same street in Manhattan. Oh, that's confusing. Well, they did it because they wanted to capitalize on what I was doing, which is insane. It's like, and it's also, it's so sad. Mm -hmm. Like that you would think that you are so not enough that you have to copy another human rather than just being yourself and offering what you have to offer. Like that's, that's, that's really sad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that for somebody to be an inspiring yoga teacher or, you know, whatever word you want to use, I think that you have to draw from your personal experience. I think that you should draw from what matters to you for what drives Mm -hmm. you. And Mm -hmm. the people who have similar drives are going to flock to you because you are so you and Mm -hmm. not pretending to be somebody else. I think that's my, yeah, that's what I think. 
How do you balance then staying authentic and true to yourself and building a brand that is popular enough to be like sellable and for you to make money in this world of teaching yoga? That's a great question. Um, I would say that at the beginning of my yoga career, I tried to be anything but me. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, I mean, listen, I am a bubbly, blonde, like, I laugh all the time because I love to laugh. I love to smile. That's who I am. I have a really high pitched voice. I do not have the like low yoga teacher voice. (laughs) Like that's just not me, you know? Uh And when I started teaching, there was a studio that I taught at that wanted that to be me. Like the, the very like no smiles, like you speak in a very serious, low voice all the time and you walk in and you tell people, like, it's like you bark orders at people because that was the style of the studio, which by the way, I love the studio, but like, couldn't have been less my personality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it was, it felt like a lot of work to teach there because I was not being true to my authentic self. And the moment that I permissioned myself just to be me and have fun while I was teaching is the moment everything changed and Mm. everything opened up and my classes were sold out. And it just, that's, and that's what it takes is it's, I firmly believe that you, it all comes back to just being true to you. But if you don't know who you are, because you haven't done the work, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I think right now there's all these ridiculous yoga teacher trainings that are like five seconds long. that are like, yep, they're 200 hours. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like my 200 hour, my husband was going to business school at the same time that I was doing my 200 hour, my first 200 hour. And I think I worked harder than he did. I'm not kidding when I say that. I tallied up the hours and it actually was 500 hours that I was required to do for my 200 hour. I didn't get a 500 hour cert. But that was, you know, many, many, many years ago mm-hmm. and things have changed. And now a lot of yoga studios have realized that teacher training is where they make money, not classes. And so they do them as quickly as possible and they're churning people out. And, you know, it's creating a recipe for disaster because it's a recipe for injury. It's a recipe for, you know, a lot of unhappy people because, you know, people aren't happy if they're not grounded and secure and confident. Mm -hmm. So if you have all these teachers like flying out and about, just like, I want to be famous, you know, that's exactly where I was going. I was kind of (laughs) waiting. Like, what do you say to these teachers that come become teachers with the idea of fame and popularity being part of this path when 99% of the time it's not? I mean, listen, it's such a good question. It's such an important question. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, you can't, but you can't do, yeah, I know. It's just so hard for me to answer this because like, I want to say things that aren't nice. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep it positive as best as I can. But, you know, important to recognize that those people can injure people. And that's where we get into a lot of trouble and that's where it's, you're doing harm. So for example, I got into yoga to help people heal themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. and the last thing in the world that I want to do is to have somebody harm themselves or have anything I say lead to harm. Mm -hmm. And ahimsa, it's the first yama. It's like nonviolence. And I, I believe in, you know, in a way that if you are protect, this is what people do. They're like, I'm an expert. And you're like, no, dude, you're not. 
You have had five seconds of yoga teacher training. You never took a yoga class before your training, which just blows my mind that teacher training allows people. I didn't know they did any of them do that. Oh, no, no. All of them now, or not all of them, but most of the ones that I know about now wow. in, in New York, it's like, you don't have to have ever taken a yoga class. And I'm like, I had to have people write letters to prove that I had been doing a solid yoga practice for a minimum of two years when I applied for my teacher training. Mm-hmm. Like things are just so different and not in a good way. Mm. You know, I think change is beautiful and wonderful, but not when you're cutting corners and, and not when you're down. Exactly. So people aren't getting education. They're not learning about anatomy. They're not learning how not to hurt people. It's, you know, and they're, and the moment they get their piece of paper that says registered yoga teacher, they pretend and they, this is the problem with social media is people are expert self marketers. They're not an expert in the field that they are claiming to be a lot of the time. And there's, and there's no way to know because mm-hmm. people are so good at the smoke and mirror part of it mm-hmm. that I've fallen prey to this before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm big on learning from my mistakes and injuries. Um, but I got very injured doing a photo shoot with a girl who reached out to me and wanted to do some photos together after a class I was teaching. And as far as I knew, she was a yoga expert because that's what her Instagram bio said. And her feed was, when I went and looked back, you know, after the fact, mm-hmm. I was like, I should have seen this. I should have, but you know, you're not paying attention. It's, you're not to like somebody you barely know. And like, you just like a photo, whatever. And she couldn't do, she was like, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And I was like, okay, let's do this. And she was like, oh, I can't do that. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And she's like, oh, I can't do that pose. And I'd be like, aren't, aren't you a, a yoga teacher? Like it was like, it wasn't, I wasn't like, a, I was asking her to do like a lotus legged handstand. It was not, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't very challenging things that I was like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. And finally she, sh- she pulled up a picture of like two people in shoulder sand, you know, doing something weird with their legs together. And I was like, not my favorite pose, but like, all right, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, I got into shoulder stand. She got in and fell on me. Mm. And so I rolled backwards in a shoulder stand and dislocated my ribs. Mm. And in retrospect, if I had paid attention to her social media, because I went back after and I was like, how is this girl a yoga teacher? I don't like, I just didn't, you know, I didn't get it. And I went through her feed and every single like yoga pose was not in alignment, like even close. And it was like yoga-ish. They weren't like real poses. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-mm-mm. Like it was like, you know that like weird pigeony thing people do where like they're up on like their shin to get the back leg in like that mermaid pigeon variation. Super weird, like not a pose. I, I looked through all the Ashtanga series as to be like, did I miss this somewhere? I mean, granted, I wrote the encyclopedia of yoga for Microsoft. So pretty good with my poses, but you know, there's thousands, right? Yeah. So, but nothing she does is a real yoga pose, but she calls herself a yoga teacher. She bills herself as such. Corporations buy into it. And it's, and that's the thing is people are experts. And this isn't a knock on the girl. It's just like, this is a word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just a word. And it's also like a word of caution that anyone can say anything they want on Instagram. There's no fact police. Mm -hmm. There's no yoga police checking them. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that makes it a very scary world because people don't know who to 
follow if they want yoga inspiration and they're somewhere in the world where there's not a yoga studio with a teacher or there's, you know, um, so it becomes very dangerous. And I think that people just have to understand that a lot of the accounts on Instagram that have a lot of followers are, well, A, it's like bots and like all of the nonsense that Instagram brings, but B, anyone can say whatever they want. And apparently people in this day and age don't think that honesty is very valuable. I, I, that's what I found in my experience dealing with the influencer yoga space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, oh, and this is the other thing, sorry, and then, <laughs> sorry, but I really do want to say that for some reason, this new crop of people, like whatever this is with these expert self-marketers that are pretending to be whoever they're pretending to be, they think there's something, it almost feels to me like they think there's something shameful in being new. Mm-hmm. And totally. so I, yeah, and I try so hard because I'm like the biggest imposter syndrome person. Mm. I, like I mentioned, like wrote, created, and produced the entire program for Microsoft, a whole encyclopedia of yoga. I have created so many uh, yoga programs for different companies. I can't even, I can't even list them all anymore. And um, when somebody's like, oh, we'd love for you to be the expert on this. And I'm like, what, me, who, what? Oh no, somebody definitely knows more than I do. Like that's my, I'm like looking behind me when somebody Mm -hmm, says that. mm -hmm. I'm like, you can't be talking to me. That's just, I don't, it's something, you know, that's my own personal thing, but, but also because I really value learning and I don't think that any of us are ever done learning ever. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my philosophy. And with this whole new crop of like, I have this piece of paper, I'm a yoga expert. You're like, uh, expert. I guess is a looser term now, but you know, but it's, but there seems to be this, not this unwillingness to say, I'm a new teacher and this is my journey. Yeah. You know, like instead of pretending that, you know, everything, which I think that's the most dangerous type of person. Okay, switching gears, I wanted to talk about something you mentioned just before and the power of healing in yoga. So I mm. wanted to go into that, into your back and a bit more of of that. So how can we use yoga as a tool to heal or to strengthen the body in a way that is, you know, for that purpose? Totally. Uh, I'm a believer that healing does come from the inside, <laughs> And if you believe that you can heal yourself, you will. One, you know, on a very external level, one of my favorite things to say is you are as strong or as flexible as you make up your mind to be. Mm. Because it's true. What your body follows what your mind tells it. Mm-hmm. So one of the greatest things I learned um, from Tara at Strala, quite frankly, was to find ease in my mind. Because I think a lot of the yoga I was doing up until then was like, push, force, push, force, get to this pose, get to this pose. And her whole thing was like, no, feel your way into it. Just let go. And, and the, the moment that I learned, you know, to just exhale Mm. and let go, my body just opened and I could all of a sudden do all these things that I've been trying to force myself into for years that had never worked, that had caused injury. Mm-hmm. And just the power of the mind is so strong. 
And that's what yoga teaches you. Yoga teaches you the power of the mind. And the body is, it's almost a secondary game. Mm. You know, it's the strength in your body comes from the strength in your mind. It comes from the strength of your will, the strength of all of those things. But, and also the balancing of the effort and the ease because you have disease when those are imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And um, so yoga's, and you know, if that's too esoteric for people, that's totally fine. I get it. Um, however, you know, just muscle to muscle and it's, when you relax your muscles, they heal. Mm-hmm. If they're tense, they're not going to heal. So if you have an injury and you're just repeatedly tensing up around it, it doesn't have the space to heal. But if you can learn to just let it go, then it has a space to heal. And you, cre- you are in charge of creating your space for healing. And no one else can do that except for you. Mm. So... It's such a powerful tool to just remember that your mind truly, truly controls your body. And you can learn that through a physical yoga practice or a meditation practice and, you know, whatever sort of works best for you. But then on the strengthening side, you know, yoga is a very gentle strengthener. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it, you know, in a way that makes sense for whatever your injury may be. So, you know, I mentioned that I had all this crazy spine stuff from this car accident And the recommendation was back surgery with a metal rod. I was like, no thanks. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there is a term in yoga called tapas, which is fire determination and, you know, keep editness basically. And without that sort of discipline of tapas and you can't heal. So you need two things. You need the space to heal Mm -hmm. and the discipline to keep at it every single day. And with those two things, anything, I truly believe anything can happen. Mm. And, you know, when doctors now look at my MRI of my cervical spine, they're like, they're like yeah, there's no way that it was straightened. And I'm like, here's the other film. <laughs> this can't be the same. And I'm like, no, it's my spine. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. It is my spine. <laughs> like, Because I think often in our medicine. Um, and I'm a big believer in combining Eastern and Western. That's my uh, big believer in combining, um, you know, for different things. Um, I think a lot of times it's like surgery is the answer. Surgery is the answer because what surgeons see, for example, I broke my wrist and I had to have not doing yoga. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I have a plate and seven screws And the recommendation was to fuse it. And I was well into my yoga career at this point. And I was like, well, that would end my career and probably make me suicidal. (laughs) I mean, for anybody that it's a really hard thing to live with after. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, at the time I was traveling around the world teaching people how to stand on their hands. So, you know, (laughs) Um, kind of important to me. So I, uh, I said no, <laughs> and I used every resource I had, and I finally found a surgeon who was willing to operate without fusing it as a very personal favor <laughs> to my father-in-law, who was his mentor. Mm. Um, and, it was, but, and he explained to me that the reason that no other surgeon would say yes to this was because a fusion is a successful surgery for the surgeon's track record. It's a success. 
if you operate to make the wrist mobile again and the person doesn't work their butt off in OT and PT to get the mobility back, it's not a success for the surgeon. And so it puts their rates down. Uh-huh. Do you understand where I'm yes, yeah. and I'm I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really yucky to uh-huh. think about that. Because you're like, wow, you're ruining my whole life because you don't want your record stained. Got it. It's my life. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I got it. Um, but again, because of this massive favor and a lot of begging and pleading, um, my surgeon operated on the wrist so that I, you know, but then I came to his office right after the operation and and I was like, all right, so when can I expect to be weight bearing on my hands again? He was like, well, what do you mean? Like headband. That's what I mean. Right. Right. And I was like, well, I think I said that. I think that's actually where I said it. He was like like being like polite, like what about plank pose? That's where I went next based on his face from handstand and based on his face for plank. I was like, okay, let's start with down dog. And he goes, whoa, down dog is an extreme angle on the wrist. And I was like, whoa, I was like, like, you know, I couldn't even speak at that point. And I was like, that is so far from where I need to be and will be. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was just, it was just a lot of, and when they took the cast off and my wrist is, you know, flat and they were like, okay, flex your wrists. And I literally went like that. And that was as much as I could do. And you can't even, I'm sure you can't even, maybe you can barely see like my fingers moving. And I started to cry a lot (laughs) because it felt like I was flexing it and it wasn't moving. Mm -hmm. And and then I, you know, got over my pity party and I did a lot of meditation and a lot of Japa Mala and a lot of, you know, I like, I took the time to really get quiet and go inside and understand what this was all about and find the lessons and find the meanings and, and then I just decided to put on my big girl pants and heal. <laughs> mm. You know, it was a little bit of a mourning process, <laughs> grieving. And then I decided that I was going to heal, and I did. And quite frankly, I went back to the surgeon. So this surgery was in 2014, September of 2014. And I got pregnant with my twins right after. I'd been trying to get pregnant for two years and didn't and couldn't. And then the moment that the universe stopped me in my tracks, I got pregnant. Um, so everything happens for a reason, but, um, with the pregnancy, I then got really scared to put weight on my new wrist with all of the extra weight from a twin pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of humbling. It was a lot, you know, but I, I view that as also yoga's ability to help me heal because it was the mental strength that I had developed in yoga and the, belief in my body's ability to repair itself from yoga that allowed me to heal this wrist. And I was there, I was at the surgeon in January because something had happened nerve wise, like something got pinched and I thought it was maybe from one of the screws or the plate. And, um, so I just went to get it checked out cause I wanted to know what was going on. And, um, he was shocked at what my wrist could do, like fully shocked, couldn't believe it. Like you know, he's an amazing surgeon, his head of his department at a massive hospital in New York and the whole thing. And he just couldn't believe it. And, and I, you know, I was like, well, it's the yoga. And he was like, I, I, I guess, because <laughs> I've never seen it before. And wow. I was like, 
the yoga. Um, so yeah, I just think things like that, you know, mm-hmm. and repeatedly sort of surprising surgeons and, you know, just, it builds that muscle. It builds the muscle of like, I know that I can heal because mm-hmm. I've done it. You know, I did it with the spine. It, it's, it's not just like randomly going into a yoga class and being like, I'm going to heal myself. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's partnering with the right experts in that injury or that process of healing and using all of the knowledge I have about yoga to create a yoga routine around that injury to heal it. It's, you know, because PT fails in our country all the time because people will go for one, maybe two weeks and be like, yeah, I'm good. Didn't work. And they never heal. And they're like, oh, it's not helping. It's not helping. And you're like, yeah, because you've been twice and you haven't done any of the exercises at home that they told you to do every day. And (laughs) oh gosh, I can't imagine why it's not helping. You know, I just think people in general are lazy and they do want the magic pill and they want the quick fix. And yoga is not the quick fix, but it is the long-term sustaining fix. Mm -hmm. So you gave a lot of good tips. So I'm just going to make a little recap for people that are (laughs) looking for tools um, for healing. One, we start with changing our mindset around what healing is, what it means, and putting ourselves in a place where we believe that we can heal. In control, that you are mm, in control. mm -hmm. You are in control of your healing. Two. Don't be in the passenger seat. (laughs) Yeah, Mm co-creation. Two, we allow the nervous system to heal. So we create space, we slow down, we allow the blood flow, you know, that kind of movement that will be like softening and relaxing at the same time and not like pushing through to make something happen. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned about being an advocate for yourself in that Mm -hmm. healing Mm -hmm. process. Even though you work in partnership with experts, you're still advocating for yourself and what you believe is the best and the true solution for you. You have patience and discipline at the same time. You know, you show up, you use the practice as a way to strengthen your mental capacity, but your body as well into that healing does that kind of put it all together? A thousand percent. Okay, thousand good. percent. Well done. Wow. Like, major claps to you. <laughs> to you. Really you said amazing. those things. <laughs> yeah, but you 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 made it digestible. <laughs> I just wanted people to like remember and like have it all in like because it was all sorts. It was it was all mm-hmm. good. Um, so you I, obviously go ahead. No, I just want to like highlight what we also highlighted a moment ago. Just it's so important to be the driver of your healing journey. Mm -hmm. It is so important. You don't need to do it alone. I think it would be very hard to do alone, but you are the driver. And you, I think that's another thing that yoga really helps is to help you tap into your intuition because, you know, a yoga practice teaches you to be in tune with you Mm -hmm. and you are the expert on you. No doctor in the world knows more about you and your body than you, you know, how you heal, you know what makes you feel good. You know what hurts. You know, even if it doesn't make sense to that doctor, you know something's wrong. It, I mean, it even happened to me as a mother. I knew there was something wrong with my baby because every time I picked up his right leg to change his diaper, he would scream bloody murder. He was the happiest baby in the world. I asked his pediatrician if he could have hip dysplasia. She brushed it off. She was like, nope, nope, he's fine. Babies don't like having their butt diaper changed. And I was like, no, it's only the right side. He's fine. I'm like, nah, babies are just funny about diaper changes. Fast forward to him being eight months when it's too late because at six months, the bones are formed and that's when hip dysplasia becomes a massive thing. 
And somebody totally unrelated to our care team was like, oh, you have to take this child to a surgeon. And I was like, for what? And they were like, oh, he has hip dysplasia. P.S. He had hip dysplasia. He had to have a massive surgery and he was in a body cast and brace for 11 months. Why? Because I didn't listen strongly enough to my intuition. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, asked that, I asked that pediatrician twice. Mm. at two separate visits. And he also had something else that was directly correlated to hip dysplasia. And, you know, it got overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where like, when you feel those alarm bells going off, you have to follow them. You have to, because you're the only one, you're the only one who hears them. And just because the, and that's, that was my mistake was trust. And, you know, I've done this in the past. Where I'm like, oh, but they're a doctor. They know better than I do. No, they don't. Not no. about your body. Exactly. Exactly. And I just think that that part of the yoga practice bringing you so in touch with what's going on. I mean, I totally changed the way I ate when I started practicing yoga because all of a sudden I recognized that when I, well, first of all, I started feeding myself because I was a walking skeleton as an actress, which is what I mentioned. But like, it was the first time in my life where I wanted to feel strong. So I fed my body to feel strong rather than like, how restrictive can I be? I was like, how can I make myself feel good? How can I make myself energetic? How can I feel strong? And how can I feed myself to help that happen? And it's just, that's something yoga teaches you. So you Mm -hmm. have to take advantage of it and not discount it when you're in crisis because sometimes people do that. Oh, yeah. You get so confused. Do you Mm -hmm. think that trusting your intuition is like the main blind spot that people have when it comes to bettering their health or their fitness even? I do. Mm. I do believe that because I think that especially when there is some sort of crisis, well, first of all, I think that nobody really wants to take responsibility for themselves or anything. Like that's just sort of human nature. It's like people would rather someone tell them what to do. You know, a lot of people go to yoga class because they don't want to have their own personal sadhana at home because they want to be told what to do. They don't want to have to think and like do all the things when someone else can tell them. Um, and totally fine. I'm just, I'm just using it as an example of yoga where it relates. Um, and I think that, you know, when something happens and health is in crisis, whether it's a broken bone or a disease or your child, it doesn't matter. You go into this sort of weird crisis mode and you forget everything you've learned. And you're like, I'm just going to listen and do whatever I'm told. And it's not the way to go. It is not the way. You have to seek opinions until you find one that aligns with you and your healing and your path and your truth. And that's, you know, that's what matters. And yoga teaches it to you. So you just have to when you are in crisis, because your body does all these like crazy things when you're in crisis, the cortisol floods the body. It changes everything that happens. It changes the part of your brain you use. You have to take deep breaths until, and it's a silly thing to say, I get it, but it's actually the most effective thing. And it's the most effective way to get your brain back to its functioning space so that you're not in that lizard survival brain anymore. You don't want to be in fight or flight making any decisions. Yeah. You want to be in rest and digest or rest and restore, whatever, you know, you personally call that mode. Um, That's a really good tip. Yeah. You have to get back to that place before you make decisions. Mm. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? If there's one takeaways you want listening to leave with, what would that be? Um, You're so much stronger than you know. You really are. You, You just, you are so much stronger than you know. Beautiful. 
I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, <sighs> where's the best place for people to find you if they want to say hello or reach out or study with you in some way? Yeah. Um, Heidi Yoga is my website, H-E-I-D-I-Y-O-G-A. And that has a direct link to my app, um, Crossflow Yoga, which I just launched. And I'm very excited about it because it has, you know, we talked about the more sort of fitnessy type of yoga. It has Crossflow X, which is that, but it also has a Crossflow B for vinyasa, Crossflow P for pre and postnatal, Crossflow Z for you know, anything that helps you go to sleep. So there's a lot of breathing exercises and restorative flows and meditation techniques in that category. And the one that I'm the most proud of is Crossflow RX. It is your yoga prescription for whatever ails you. And I'm working very closely with all of my doctors, surgeons, and PTs so that every routine that I put in that category has a stamp of approval from a medical professional. That's awesome. So they can find all those things there or Instagram, which is my name, Heidi Christopher. Awesome. That's it. Thank you so much, <laughs> Heidi, for your time today. That was a really enjoyable conversation to have with you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure and my honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. And if you wanted to continue, please help me. Don't forget to visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat to donate or become a VIP member and get your hands on all our exclusive content. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Heidi Christopher, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creating the music, editing, and mastering this podcast. Once again, guys, thank you for listening. Until next time.